my experience with supplements started to be like so terrible. I hated like all this plastic. I didn't know where ingredients were coming from. Everything was very opaque. There was no transparency about the origin of the ingredients. It was really bad. <laughs> it was a bad experience. You are listening to Veggie Doctor Radio, and this is episode number 246. Welcome to Veggie Doctor Radio. I am your host, Dr. Yami, board-certified pediatrician, certified lifestyle medicine physician, certified health and wellness coach, author, speaker, mother, wife, and human being. I passionately believe in the power of diet, habits, and mindset in sparking and sustaining well-being and joy in our lives. This podcast combines expert interviews and thoughtful monologues to explore plant-based nutrition, lifestyle medicine, parenting, mindset, and other exciting and fun topics. I hope that these episodes inspire you, uplift you, and equip you with the knowledge and tools to live your best life. Are you ready to get started? Let's do it. Hey, veggie lovers, welcome back to another episode of Veggie Doctor Radio. I am in my new office finally after six months of planning and purchasing and all of the stress and thought. It's still not over because we're still not fully settled in, but I'm here and I am still needing to organize my office big time. I mean, there's stuff everywhere. If you could just see the ground, there's boxes everywhere. I still have to find the best arrangement for my podcast recording and for the video podcast background, but I'm super proud of myself because I bought these LED lights. So if you're watching on YouTube and if Alejandra decides to show this part of the intro, then you'll see my cool LED lights. And also in this episode, because this was the first episode I recorded in my new office. So it's a little bit chaotic and it's not fully ready yet. So, but I had to start. I had to just go and be imperfect, which is always a good lesson. Sometimes you just got to do it. Anyway, this episode is interesting. I am talking to Maria Febrian who is a third time entrepreneur and has 14 years of experience in the digital and health and wellness industries. After selling her second company, she set out to build the most sustainable supplements on earth. She is the founder of TerraSeed, a new brand of vegan sustainably sourced supplements packaged in fully biodegradable pill bottles. So I have made a decision that I'm not going to bring a lot of guests on the show that are specifically just trying to sell things because it makes for really awkward conversations and then things happen that are kind of awkward and it's I'm not as excited about it but this is super different because I was very piqued in my interest about the supplement industry and things that I wasn't aware of I definitely learned some new things from Maria and some really important things, I think, for us to just be aware of. It may not completely change your habits yet because I do feel like this is a difficult area sometimes, especially depending on where you live and what you have access to. Like a lot of my supplements, I have to order online. I can't just find at the store here for the kind of supplements I want. 
and I trust, but there's all kinds of other things to think about, like where they source their ingredients and where the ingredients come from and how many supplements actually contain ingredients that are derived from animals, which I wasn't aware of the extent. So I think that this is a super interesting episode and one that you'll learn a lot from. And we also discuss sustainability and some of the issues that are involved with, you know, just selling things and especially something that you're taking day after day, month after month, it adds up. Just think I've been vegan for almost 12 years now. And I have always been mindful about taking my supplements. That's a lot of pill bottles. That is a lot of waste. And I do my best to try to reduce my waste, but there's just so many things to think about. So I really think that you're going to enjoy this episode. In this episode, we talk about her vegan journey. We talk about her athletic experience. So she is a ultra mountain runner. So she does ultra marathons in mountains. Okay. Like when you thought that ultra running was hard enough already, she does it like up mountains. So anyway, there's just this, I'm just fascinated by the athleticism of people and what they do. So we talk about her journey, what inspired her to start a supplement company, how prevalent animal derived ingredients are in supplements, some ingredients that would be surprising to consumers that they're actually derived from animals. We talk about the plastic waste generated by the supplement industry, and we talk about the animal safe movement and the petition that they have started to try to prompt transparency and labeling from supplement companies, which I think is really important. So definitely jump on board on that. So we'll provide all of the links. Just so you know, I am not sponsored by this company. They haven't given me any money. I am going to try a few samples from them just because I'm curious. And I kind of looking at the ingredients, I, I, I'm kind of on board. I like it. I haven't tried it. I haven't tried the product myself or seen the packaging or anything, but I really wanted to bring Maria on board to talk about this super important issue. And I hope that you enjoy the episode. So thank you, my veggie lovers, for being here. Welcome to all the new listeners. I hope that you stick around for a while and you listen to some of the older episodes. There's a lot of episodes, so enjoy. And now let's welcome Maria. Sebrian. Maria Sebrian, welcome to Veggie Doctor Radio. Thank you so much, Jami. Such a nice pleasure to be here with you today. Yeah, we're going to have so much fun. I am very interested in this topic, and I'm so glad that you reached out to us so that I could learn more about you and what you're doing. But before we get more into your supplement company and some of the things that you've discovered along the way, I'd like to start with your story, your vegan journey. How did you become vegan, and what were the steps that brought you to starting this company? Yeah, thank you. Well, uh, it's a it's a fun story, of course. Like everyone has a little story. Mine started in 2016. Uh, um, you know, I started like not feeling well when I was eating meat. You know, like feeling there was something wrong with um, taking meat and fish. You know, there was something funny. I started like not liking the experience. Uh, so my husband got me as a present, like this book from Rich Roll. I don't know if you know this, this vegan athlete. 
and it was called the Plant Power Way, and it was full of vegan recipes and tips, and I was like, oh my God, this is amazing, right? And I started reading more about the vegan diet, the plant-based diet, so I decided to become vegetarian, you know, to, to, for me, it wasn't like all or nothing. It wasn't like a, you know, the next morning I'm vegan and, you know, it was, it was a bit of a process. So, um, I started reading more about, um, the, you know, vegetarian diet, um, the vegan diet. I was very interested, but I didn't feel ready. I'm originally from Spain and I was living in Spain, uh, back in the day and, it's hard to be a, a vegan person in Spain. And, and in 2016, it was even worse. <laughs> so I just started like removing meat and fish from my diet. And I felt amazing, like amazing. All my acid reflux, you know, like stuff like that, like tummy issues were absolutely gone. I had more energy. I was like, oh my God, I, I'm, I'm into something here. So um, after that, um, I, I, I would say, you know, I was trying to be as vegan as possible. Uh, and I know vegan is not just a diet. It's a whole philosophy. It's a whole way of living. So I've always been sort of taking steps towards being fully vegan. And then five years ago, I became fully vegan. I, I felt ready. And I spoke to my family and said, hey, guys, I'm just going fully vegan. And my family, they were vegan vegetarian on and off but i've been more like sticking to to the to the diet and the lifestyle more than them um so yeah i i i decided to go fully vegan and i'm a i'm an athlete i'm a um ultra distance mountain runner um so i was always a little bit worried about my nutritional needs you know i was being like oh, i don't know if this is the best thing um so I started supplementing and that's when my, my experience with supplements started to be like so terrible. I hated like all this plastic. I didn't know where ingredients were coming from. Everything was very opaque. There was no transparency about the origin of the ingredients. It was really bad. <laughs> it was a bad experience. I have to say that when I became fully vegan, it was probably my best year in terms of racing. And, and, you know, I started like take getting like second place, third place in, in races. You know, I, I've never got like any, any place like, you know, I was just one, I, I, I wasn't doing this professionally or anything, but, you know, I was taking part in, you know, these races and I was running and it was great. But that year I started like being at the top right? Like of all these athletes. And I was like, wow, <laughs> there's something going on here. But going back to my, my experience with uh, supplementation, and I think that's, that's all, always like a question we get a lot, like why vegans need to supplement? And we can get into that. But my experience was really, really bad. Um, so I started thinking like, wow, what, what if we build like a a multivitamin for vegans with everything vegans may be lacking in their diets um, that, you know, like it's a supplement that it speaks to our values as vegans, right? So no plastic, sustainably sourced, of course, no animal ingredients. I learned before building Terracid, I, I 
I learned that a lot of ingredients in our supplements come from animals. And more than half of supplements in the U.S. come from animals. I mean, ingredients in, in more than half of supplements in this, in this market. So the two most common ingredients are gelatin and magnesium stearate. Um, so that was appalling, right? Like that was, oh my God, we have to do something about this. So that's how I started building Terracid. And uh, that was my mission to stop animal suffering and plastic pollution in this industry and to lead a, a sustainability uh, conversation in, in the supplement industry. Wow, that's so fascinating. That is really incredible that you took action and you're like, I'm going to do yeah. something about this because I think thinking about tackling the supplement industry, I would just be exhausted before I even started. So <laughs> so kudos to you. Okay, well, let's go back. I want to hear more about your running so when did you start doing this? What kind of distances do you run and how often do you race? Yeah. So I started running when I was a kid. I was part of like the running club. You know, when I was going to school, I always loved running. You know, it was one of one of these things like I, I felt so free and so at ease, you know, just running. I, I loved it. So I started competing when I was with you know, like in that team in my in my uh, school. And then I stopped for a while, for about 15 years. I suppose I hit like adolescence and it didn't feel like cool to run, you know, like to be an athlete. I don't know, at least in Spain it was like that. Uh, so I started like being more into going out with my friends and doing other things. But, you know, running was part of my life for so many years. Then when I I turned um, 28, I would say, I I just had this call to, to start running again. And I started running. And, you know, like it was at the beginning, it was like 5K races, and then it went up to 10K. And then, you know, like that's how you make progress in this sport, right? Like you just want longer distances or you want to be faster on your races. That's the two directions where you can make progress or you can go into triathlon or other type of races. So for me, it was all of that, you know, like getting faster, running longer distances. Um, and then I moved to the mountains to live in the mountains when I was 33 years old. And that was my playground, right? Like I was living in the mountains, so I had to run there and I had never run in the countryside or mountains or anything like that. It was always, you know, I was living in a city. So suddenly it was like, oh my God, this is amazing. You know, like just running in this environment and forests and, you know, climbing up mountains. And that's how I started running in this, in this category, if you want, like the, the mountain running category. And I've always taken, you know, like part in races. I, I love racing. I think it's very exciting. The atmosphere, you know, like in, in mountain running, mountain running races is, is awesome. Everyone is really nice. So I started like racing um, longer distances until I got to almost 100K, um, you know, 100 kilometers and 
it, it was it was great, but I'm 51 right now. I have an injury. I actually I was running in Boulder in Colorado. You know, I was just running down this valley, and last summer I I got yeah I fell and I my my hip was broke and and my femur was dislocated. So I. I'm not running now. I'm just trying to recover as fast as I can so I can go back uh, and continue running. But yeah, it's been, it's been, you know, like it's been great. It's been like 24 years of like enjoying, truly enjoying running in a way that is, for me, is very spiritual. It's almost like the way I connect with nature and myself, you know, and, and I think races, long distance races are almost like the life journey, you know, where a lot of things happen. And I think these are experiences where you get to know yourself and you, there is like a, an inner journey uh, where you connect with something that is special. And I'm not saying it's for everyone. I'm not saying it's easy. It's actually very tough, as you can imagine. But there is some, there is some beauty and, and so, uh, yeah, enjoyment in, in, doing something like that and it's been a big part of my life yeah I'm, I'm very you know and 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 I think for me it's been like this connection with nature when you race you normally race alone like the races you know like stretch and suddenly you know like in half an hour there's no one around you and it's oh my god I'm on my own and the forest and you know it gets dark and then you, you know you're just there on your own um so it's a, it's a very special experience. Wow. Yeah, I've always been fascinated by people that can do these ultra marathon races. I mean, it, it just requires a whole nother level of grit and determination. <laughs> so that's amazing. So how long does it take to do a hundred kilometer race? For me, it was around 18 hours. Um, oh my gosh. But, you know, like... For other folks, it was like 12 hours or 11 or, you know, like the top, the top athletes, I think they, they, yeah, they are amazing. Like they, they are from another planet. They just like run next to you and just see them like, you know, passing you and it's, wow. <laughs> so I, I've never trained professionally or anything, you know, um, I had a trainer for a while, but it's been mostly my own experience, my own way of organizing my training. So it's never been like a professional thing or anything. But but I've been very passionate about it, and yeah, uh, it's it's a it's a lo it's it's long races. It's it's a long time, um, but it, it it goes it goes past very fast. Mm -hmm. You know, like you don't wow. realize. Oh my God, it's another hour, and so it's not. It doesn't feel that long. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. Well, I'm sure you miss it so much. So hopefully you recover quickly and are able to get back at it because I can tell that you love it and it's part of your lifeblood. So. Yeah, totally, totally. It's a bummer <laughs> that accidents have to happen sometimes. Yeah. Well, tell me a little bit more about when you decided to start supplementing. Were you thinking that mostly for preventive reasons or were you afraid you were already dealing with some deficiencies at that time in your own body or what was it that really got you passionate about like okay I, I need to find the the perfect supplement for me that's going to work for my needs mm -hmm. what happened is for one of the races uh, I took took part on uh, 
they wanted to make like a like a test you know they, they a test was required for some long distance races they require you go through a medical test to make sure like everything is working fine and there's no issues with your heart or so I went through that test and in my my blood test it came out that I had a lot of an, anemia so I have a lack of iron and my um iron um reserve is that how you say it? like your my iron um reserve reserves was were really really low to the point that the doctor was like I don't even know how you can run or take part in these races you know like it's amazing that you can still run like long distances with these amounts of iron in your in your system so I got a bit scared like okay I love you know the diet I feel better it's interesting because I never felt like energy depleted or anything I, I don't know but um, so, so that's when I, something clicked and I, and I thought, okay, maybe I need, I need to supplement. <laughs> maybe I need to do something about this. So I started taking plant-based iron and that's how I started, you know, reading a little bit more about like supplementation for people who, fo who follow, um, a vegan diet and, and I started learning more about it and I got pretty interested. I learned that, you know, it's very difficult to get your B12 from a vegan diet. Um, I mean, some foods can provide that, like mushrooms or tempeh or like some seaweed, but, you know, it's, it's hard. Um, even like the, the active form of B12 is hard to get from those those food, food, uh, food uh, plant-based foods. So um, the more I was, I was digging into it, the more I was convinced I needed to, you know, like to supplement, especially if I was going to run um or many miles per week you know like I, I wanted to make sure my nutritional needs were were met and that's that's how i i became interested in sort of nutrition and supplementation and you know it's interesting because my experience with supplements was so bad that i i knew that there was a lot of room for improvement in that experience um and i was sure a lot of people like me were struggling to find supplements they could trust and the other thing that I thought it was appalling was that you know I'm a vegan for the environment for health for animals honestly I'm one of these vegans who really you know like it's for all these reasons and I thought it was so unfair that people didn't know there were animals in their supplements you know they are following this diet they are making such a, a huge effort for you know like not consuming animal derived products and then their supplements are full of them you know and there are some animal ingredients like um animal derived ingredients like d3 comes from lanolin that is found in sheep's wool people don't know this right and and the the sheep's wool industry i i think even vegans are not aware of like yeah you're not killing the animal but everything that goes into you know, creating all this wool is just, it's just terrible. So, you know, I, I was more interested not only in nutrition, but also in the use of animal derived ingredients in these supplements. And the fact that it's not even mandatory for brands to include that information in supplement facts labels. And I will tell you in a minute, you know, uh, we are running a campaign to, to make a petition to the FDA 
to to disclose this information. So, you know, it was just like really for a vegan person, I think supplements were like the worst products ever, <laughs> you know, like yeah. to, to consume. Yeah. And yeah. just like you said, a lot of people don't know or even think about it because the truth is, is that in our world, in our products, there are so many things that have animal derived ingredients from, you know, the inside of our cars to our cleaning products to, you know, the things that we consume. And it's just, it can be overwhelming, especially for new vegans. And they're like, what do I wear? What do I eat? What do I drive? You know, it's just like so many different things to think about. So it is nice that there are people out there thinking about this for us to make mm -hmm. it easier because there's not as many brands that are specifically made for vegans and for our values, like you said. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, let's, let's talk a little bit more about the prevalence of animal derived ingredients and supplements. You mentioned some, and I will say that as a pediatrician, lanolin is really hard too, because it's in a lot of things and it's mm -hmm. in a lot of things that I don't have a great replacement that I like to use for my patients. So one of my favorite products has lanolin. And then of course, with all the lactating moms, they often use a lot of lanolin. Yeah. And it was something that took me a long time to figure out, oh, I didn't know that that came from an animal, you know? So, so it can be really tough. But let's talk about the prevalence of animal derived ingredients. What are some other things that we may not realize? Mm -hmm. You talked about magnesium. So I don't know about this. Tell me, where is that coming from? Where, mm -hmm. where are some of these ingredients that it may not say on there or label that it's from an animal that's probably coming from an animal? Well, the first thing I want to say is, is like a positive message. Every time I go to supplement conferences, you know, like both in the U.S. And, and Europe, you can see there are more and more ingredient companies creating plant-based uh, alternatives for each of these vitamins, each of these nutrients. So I think there is there is a huge shift, you know, towards like plant-based ingredients and that's fueled by by consumers who are demanding more plant-based clean ingredients. So this is happening. Um, however, you know, it's, it's a bit of a shame, but a lot of supplement manufacturers, you know, still use like a lot of these uh, animal derived ingredients. For example, magnesium is actually not the magnesium that you normally take in a supplement. It's, it's a different substance called magnesium esterate. And this is like a powder looking ingredient that is used to make the, the equipments and the machines that manufacture the pills to make that process more stable um, and to prevent the pills from sticking to the machines. So it's not even something that you, I mean, of course there are traces of that ingredient in, in your pills, but it's not like an active uh, vitamin or anything like that. There is another vitamin that is magnesium that comes from um, normally lab made, you know, come from minerals or, or processes that, um, you know, like it's, it's, it's not, it, that's the active ingredient, but the magnesium steroid I'm referring to, this is made with the bones, tendons and fat of pigs, sheep and cow. And it's just like the byproducts, you know, animals, when they are killed, they are, every single part of their bodies is used you will be amazed, like nothing is left, you know, 
uh, behind every single element of an animal is used for different industries, you know, like from pets food to human food, but also, you know, like for, for supplements or uh, in this case, um, they just they just take these byproducts and, and use them to create this substance. It's the same thing with gelatin. You know, they use the same, very, very similar composition, but in a different uh, texture or different process. Um, but gelatin, a lot of capsules are made with gelatin. You know, normally they are like uh, transparent, but you can also have them in many different colors. It's super cheap. It's the cheapest way of like creating gelatin. Um, fortunately, we have like these plant-based cellulose capsules that came into the market not not I mean not that long ago so it's kind of a recent uh, alternative um, but these are like the most common animal derived ingredients in our supplements in the supplements you can buy in, in you know like in a grocery shop and then um, another big one is lanolin for D3 that we just mentioned um, and then I would say like the the one that is killing the the highest number of animals is actually omega three, because omega three comes from fish oil, which is basically taking you know like it takes around or up to a hundred fish to create one single pill bottle of uh, fish oil omega three, so you require it requires like many fish to create just one bottle. Um, and in the end, you know, the fish is taking omega-3 from algae. So it's a middleman, right? Like it's not even the source. It's the same with B12 and animals, right? They, it's not that they produce B12 or like they, they store B12, right? And they can take B12 from eating a lot of plants that are, you know, um, outside. They haven't been cleaned. They haven't been sanitized. And that's how they, they can... Um, they, because they eat so, you know, such huge quantities of, of these um, plants that co that contain the active form of B12, they store that and, and we take B12 from the meat of animals. So it's the same thing with, with uh, fish and omega-3. So in, for example, in Terra Seed, which is like my, my brand, and this is our, our first product, the complete multivitamin for vegans, uh, what we are doing is we are taking the omega-3 from microalgae grown indoors in South Carolina. So this is a completely controlled environment. We don't impact the environment or like, you know, marine ecosystems. We don't go to the sea and, and take the, the seaweed from there, right? Like we just do it in a very controlled environment and we extract that oil from the algae that is the actual, the the original source of these of these um uh amino acid right that is omega-3 so you know this is a type of practices that that we put in place to to build our product so for example d3 you can you can extract d3 from algae also from uh reindeer lichen that's that's the one we are using so we for example this is this is a fun story uh reindeer lichen grows in some forests, in this case, come from China. They're like vast, um, you know, like huge forests 
where you can find these these reindeer lichens, but we only take the one that is fallen, you know, like that that is on the ground. So we're not taking that from the trees or from the rocks, right? We're taking that from the the ground, and there is 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 so interesting because there there are some concerns about this ingredient, for example, because it's been demanded so much because people want plant-based sources, right? Like plant-based ingredient sources that, you know, like even with the fallen uh, lichen, if you take it all, you can also impact that ecosystem, that forest ecosystem. So you have to be careful. That's why I I like, you know, when when you're able to grow these ingredients or these uh, ingredient sources in a controlled way, like the the microalgae that I was talking about. Um, So in fact, we are going to move our formula from D3 from lichen to D3 from microalgae. Uh, is another form of algae, but um, everything that is like more controlled and more um, sustainable, you know, that, that that's that's our approach. And of course, there are other ingredients that come from like B12, right? Like it's, it comes from fermentation uh, processes in a lab. So the impact of that process is almost nothing apart from like shipping the ingredient to our facilities and the manufacturing uh, facilities. So, you know, for us, it's all about sustainability and taking care of animals and the planet. You know, that's that's our main, our main focus. And with that, it comes taking care of people, right? And people's health with the cleanest ingredients. And we are very transparent about our sourcing. You can go in our website and you can see all the information where we source each of the ingredients and I think you know like it's really I think it's really important for consumers to to understand all that information um there's also an issue with the potency and bioavailability of each of these ingredients um and the reason for that is that there are some plant-based ingredient sources that are providing that vitamin or that mineral or that nutrient but the potency is not as high as in some other processes like in a lab for example you know um well b12 is one that is almost always uh made in a lab but some other sources of vitamin b can be found in quinoa for example or other sources that are really clean and really sustainable, but the potency of the ingredient that you extract in the end is not as high as, you know, other ingredients that are created in a lab. And now for a very important message. Hey mama, if you are feeling frustrated about mealtime battles, worried that your child isn't eating enough or eating enough vegetables, afraid that your child is going to get some awful deficiency or disease because of the lack of diversity in their diet, I wrote a book that might be for you. A Parent's Guide to Intuitive Eating, How to Raise Kids Who Love to Eat Healthy is available in paperback, ebook, and audiobook through all major online booksellers. Did you know that most children are born with the innate ability to eat the appropriate amount of food to satisfy their hunger and support appropriate growth? 
Despite this, parents are still anxious and confused about how much and what to feed their children. In addition, many children are labeled as picky eaters or develop behaviors such as hiding and sneaking food. There's also a growing epidemic of dieting behaviors and eating disorders beginning at alarmingly young ages. In my book, you'll learn the five pillars of healthy eating, how to apply intuitive eating through all the stages of development, lifestyle habits that support healthy eating and body image, troubleshooting and problem solving for picky eaters, overeating and dieting behaviors, how to create and foster a healthy body image in your children, how exploring your own body image and relationship with food will help raise an intuitive eater, and what foods to offer your child at different stages of development. A Parent's Guide to Intuitive Eating, How to Raise Kids Who Love to Eat Healthy, available in paperback, ebook, and audiobook through all major online booksellers. Are you ready for a fresh approach to feeding your child? For more information, visit dryami.com forward slash book. And now back to the episode. So for us, it's always been a little bit, you know, like difficult to make that decision. Maybe it sounds cleaner and nicer to get your your vitamin Bs or from from quinoa, but we also care about like providing the right amounts of B12 especially for vegans, you know, that's, that's a tricky one. So, uh, and I think that's the, the, if, if I had to recommend to take just one single vitamin, that would be the 12 and I'm sure, yeah, maybe you would be agree with me. Um, so there's, there's, you know, like it, it's not an easy, an easy process. If you want like to be less supplement, there, there are so many, so many approaches you can take with your formulas and how you, you get the ingredients and um, you need to do a lot of R&D and a lot of research. What happens with, with supplements is, is that a lot of formulations are already created. They are called off-the-shelf formulations. So you can just buy them very cheaply and you can just put like a label on a plastic pill bottle and that's your brand, right? Like it's very easy to create supplements. Or, or to be like a supplement brand, what is not easy is when you start doing your proprietary, your own formulas, your own R&D, your own research. That's when it takes, you know, a lot of effort and not everyone is ready to do that. Um, so in our case, for example, we only have one product for now uh, because it took us a year and a half to develop it. And we know it's, it's just such a curated, like it's been built with, all this care and all this sort of scientific approach and also sustainability. And it's a piece of art in my, in my opinion, of course, you know, like I'm the founder of this company, but um, I really think that you are, you know, people's health is at stake here. You know, you're, you have to take this very seriously. And I'm very, very glad to see that there's more people demanding transparency in this industry and in this market. And I think it's happening with, with brands like Terracy, but it's not only us, you know, a lot of other brands are in this same direction. Maybe not so much sustainability, uh, maybe more like scientific based or transparent, you know, like I think we're also embracing the sustainability uh, because that's part of our DNA, but 
um, yeah, it's an industry that needs to to do a lot of work, you know, like to to be a better one for people. Yeah, well, I can just see that there are so many layers of complexity involved, so many different things to think about. Like I said at the beginning of the interview, I would be overwhelmed before even beginning. So I, I really admire that you are you have the bravery and the courage to tackle this and and to create something that you believe in, not mm-hmm. just to slap a label on something else that you know maybe is not actually going to be the right thing because even just from a physician standpoint, even thinking about, okay, well, I would say one area of complexity is, well, what amounts are we going to put? And depending on what amounts you have to put in, it probably also changes the volume that you have to give. And then that changes the dosing, which is Mm -hmm. very complex too, you know? So people don't want to take like 10 pills a day, you know? And I think everybody expects it to just come in this small thing, but the more things you put in there, the more you have to give. (laughs) So it's very complex. I wanted to go back a little bit to the gelatin too, because as a pediatrician dealing with children, (laughs) obviously one of the most common ways to deliver supplements now is gummies. And there's a lot of vegan ones out there that don't have gelatin, but that's another place where you see a lot of gelatin is in gummy vitamins. You know, they that's how they make them. That gummy, chewy thing is by using the gelatin. So that's always a bummer when you're trying to find a product that a kid will actually take. Because this is what I tell parents. There's this huge debate. Like, I would never give my kids any of those things that has too much sugar. And I was like, you know what? If that makes the kid likely to take the vitamin, then it might be worth it because it doesn't matter if you have some fancy low sugar vitamin that a kid's not going to take and you just paid 50 bucks for it. You know what I'm saying? So like to me, I'm just like more practical. I'm like a parent too. I'm like, I'm not going to pay for a supplement my kid's not going to take. So sometimes yeah. you just need to use a little, a little incentive and make sure your kids are brushing their teeth, brush their teeth, have good oral hygiene. But that's just my perspective. I know people are super very strong, passionate about no sugar ever in anything. But I, I kind of disagree with that just from the perspective of like, well, you also want them to actually take the supplement. So it can get really complicated when you're starting to think about that. For adults, at least most of us swallow pills. But, you know, for kids, it's a bit, a bit more rare. Even the teenagers, I'm telling you, teenagers, they go through this stage where their anxiety goes up and it's everything's overwhelming for them. And there's a lot of teenagers I have that won't swallow pills too. So mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it can be a little bit complex. Well, this is great. I'm so glad that you brought all this up and I'm sure it's going to open the eyes of so many. Yeah. Can I add something to that? Because you, you, you were just, your comment was so spot on. Uh, we are now developing like this, the next product, which is a multivitamin for kids, right? And and that's, you know, like that's the decisions you have to make, right? In the end, you can't have everything. It's impossible to have like no sugar and then like no gelatin, no animal ingredients, you know, like all this amazing sourcing and transparency and bioavailability and potency. Like it's just so hard, right? I agree with you that kids don't take pills. Full stop. The only way you can provide vitamins to kids is two ways gummies or sprays sprays okay but they don't like it as much and if you end up like buying all these products that they are not going to to take it doesn't make any sense for us we had to make the decision now for these gummies 
to either go with sugar or, you know, stevia or monk fruit or there are other options out there. The thing with gummies is that is the stability. And it's, it's hard to get a stability with other sweeteners like, you know, stevia, monk fruit, and they are new in the market and, and they are being tested right now. Sugar is your safest bet to make sure like the product is stable. So in the end, we were saying, okay, what about organic cane sugar? I mean, kids need glucose. They need like sugar, right? Like in their systems. That That's, you know, too much. Of course, no. And you will never put like huge amounts in, you know, gummies. But it's, it's interesting. It's the same with gelatin. Gelatin has been around in gummies forever. It's been tested. It's super stable. It's cheap. Everything looks great with, with gelatin. When you start using pectin or other, you know, like gelling agents is when you start seeing like, oh, the stability is not good. The shelf life is not good. So it's all, always like taking that more difficult route that, you know, at the same time, you know, it's the right way, but it's the most difficult way. And it's the same with packaging, right? Like we chose these fully biodegradable packaging and we use like pouches and you know to refill because this is a subscription based product and it was such a challenge because all the co-packers were saying oh we don't have the machines to fill this type of bottles like don't you have the plastic bottles and we were like no this is like a new bottle that we've adapted to supplements you know because we didn't want any plastic in our product and and they were, well, I'm sorry, I cannot work with you. You know, like I don't have the machines. And so we had to end up having everything in-house, doing it ourselves, very craftsy. Craftsy, is that how you say it? Like very manual. And, you know, that's higher cost. That's more, even more difficult. It's the same with formulations and how you build your products, you know, what you put in your mouths. Yeah, so definitely you've you've had to go through so much problem solving because every stage you're like, okay, here's the, all these different options, all these different problems. I mean, that's it's, it's amazing. Absolutely. I'm sure that as a business owner, entrepreneur, as a person, this has helped you grow so much. <laughs> you're using your brain in so many different ways. But you brought up the bottles, and I want to go into that because, you know, I we try to do our best at my house and you realize that there's just like you said, you're not going to please everybody. You're not going to be perfect. There's no way to be perfect. It's very, it's almost impossible to be a hundred percent waste free. Um, but you have to think about all these things and how it adds up over time. So how much plastic waste is produced by the supplement industry? And why did you decide to tackle that as well? Whenever mm -hmm. you started building your brand? Yes, yeah, so the supplement industry creates 1.8 billion plastic pill bottles every year. And I didn't mention this, but the same industry kills 24 billion animals every year. Most of them are fish. But listen to this. It's, it's insane. It's crazy, right? Um, so, you know, with the plastic, it's actually... Really interesting. I don't think people are aware that only 9% of recyclable plastic actually gets recycled. Listen to this. 
not not even of, of the whole plastic produced every year. Only the 9% of recyclable plastic get recycled, gets recycled. And this is a combination of things. Uh, I think there is such lack of information and education. Even for me, I mean, in, the, in this industry, and I don't fully understand the implications of using different materials and even people who, you know, like we work with a bunch of companies who manufacture our packaging and different elements of our packaging. And even if you talk to them, it's, yeah, we're still learning. We're still trying to assess the impact of this type of packaging versus like, you know, uh, virgin plastic or or post-consumer plastic or, you know, like there are like many forms of plastic, of course. Um so it's, it's a tricky one. Um, at the moment, there are like four things you can do, right? With packaging in general, you can just throw it in a landfill bin, you know, like a bin where it's going to end up in landfills, most likely. 3% of all plastic ends up in the ocean. So from all the plastic you see, all the plastic waste, 3% end up in the ocean. And then... The second option is to recycle whenever it's possible, right? And this type of materials will be more like recyclable plastic or paper, cellulose, that type of material. And then the third one is to reuse packaging in, in any way or form, maybe even like giving a different life to any, any type of packaging you have around in the house, that will make a huge difference. The problem with plastic it's not so much plastic, which is plastic. The problem with plastic is that it, it never really decomposes. You know, it, it gets transformed into microplastics and then, you know, pollute like the ocean or like the land. That's the issue with plastic, right? But plastic itself, if you reuse it, you know, and you give plastic like a very long time and you recycle the plastic, you can, we could stop like producing more plastic and we could just reuse what we have and continuously reusing it. That wouldn't be a bad thing, right? But the system is not, is not ready for that. And the, the reality is that the amount of single use plastic, virgin single use plastic is still huge in, in the US. Um, so you know, like it's a big issue. Is 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 pretty appalling. Like even with our packaging that is biodegradable, we can't really make sure that it will degrade or decompose. Sorry, in soil because landfill. If this packaging ends up in a landfill, it will be on top of like plastics and other materials, so it won't touch the soil and this decomposes with soil. So even our packaging is not perfect, right? It's very interesting. There are companies right now uh, researching, doing a lot of R&D. This is a huge, a huge industry. Packaging is a huge industry. So there are a lot of um, companies researching how to create materials that decompose, for example, under the water. We're looking at uh, this protective sleeve recently that is made with this type of foam that you can rinse it and it will disappear under the water. 
you know, or, you know, materials that can contain liquids that you can put in your mouth and it dissolves in your mouth so you can eat the material. So that's coming. That's coming. In, I guess in about 10 years, we will start seeing a lot of these new materials and new type of packaging. So this is coming and it has to, right? Because this is not, this is crazy. It's not sustainable at all. But I think we, we're still in that process of understanding, you know, what is the impact? What is the real impact of new materials? The recycling industry is also huge. Um, they are not very interested in compostable materials because they make a lot of money recycling, you know, plastics and other materials that are already, ex you know, exist in the, in the, in the planet. So it's tricky. There are a lot of like economic interests in these, in these industries, you know, like to um, maybe block some of these initiatives of companies trying to do different type of packaging, but uh, we will see. I think, again, is this the same as with veganism or people wanting more plant-based option for, for their food, even, even people who are not vegan, right? Like I think that mainstream um, sort of demand is what is made vegan food booming, right? Like they, it was like a complete huge boom. So I think with packaging is going to be similar where the consumer is going to start like demanding more of these type of, of solutions. And in the end, it's the same with veganism. I think it's a mix of like the consumer individuals, you know, but also companies, how do we take responsibility about how we build our products? Um, I meet a lot of companies in this space, the natural products space that say, oh, we don't have, you know, the margins. We don't have enough space. We don't have enough margin to include like sustainable packaging. That's, you know, that we couldn't survive. It would... Honestly, I think if we all put that at the forefront of our products, I think, I think things would change, you know, because the consumer sometimes doesn't know. They, they need to be educated. And I think companies and brands need to educate and need to make it easy for them, right? Like to make the right choice. And that's, that's our obsession. It's just like no brainer, you know, like just take the, everything is, <laughs> is clean, it's sustainable. It's just, you don't have to care. You don't have to your point, like, oh, I don't know what to do. And is this good? Is this, you know, just just the right thing for people on the planet. That's that's the, the way I envision products in the future. You know, every single product. Hey, are you kind of curious about microgreens and including microgreens in your diet, but you're not sure where to start and you're not sure how to do it? I love my Hamama microgreen grower. It's so easy. It's so convenient. So this is how it works. Basically, they send you the kit and it has this little seed quilt, okay? And then you soak the seed quilt in the water. And in a few days, you see your tiny little baby sprouts growing. And a few days after that, you can start eating them. And it's so fun. And you can tell them that you're eating them. And they're really happy that you're eating them. And your body's really happy that you're eating them. But here's the best part because I've told y'all before, I'm lazy. So I don't want to have 
have to use any mental energy that I don't need to. And they send you seed quilts every month. So you don't run out. You can change what seed quilts you want to try. So here's some examples of some of the seed quilts they have. Hearty broccoli, refreshing cabbage, energizing kale, spicy daikon radish, super salad mix. You can even get wheatgrass. You can get culinary cilantro or even hot wasabi mustard. So there's lots to choose from. They have different flavors. They're so cute and they're health promoting. So you can get a good dose of antioxidants and it's really beautiful. I also use them for garnish when I'm making soups and salads and different bowls. You can impress your guests. But like I said, it's going to be low energy cost on your part. And it's actually not that expensive either. The other thing that I use from Hamama is a green onion growing kit, which is really cool because it can decrease your food waste. So you buy the green onions and then the little part that has the root, the white part at the bottom, you stick it in these little holes and then you just put the water in there and it grows. And then you can keep eating the same green onions. You just go with your little scissors and you chop it off and you put it into your food. So if you want to give it a try, you've been curious about microgreens and different ways that you can grow your own food, check out Hamama. You can find it in my show notes for a link to get 15% off, or you can go to dryami.com forward slash shop so that you can find the link and get 15% off your first order. Happy growing. Do you love Veggie Doctor Radio, but you're sick of listening to ads? Join the Plantscription. The Plantscription is a monthly membership where you have access to ad-free episodes of Veggie Doctor Radio every week. But that's not all. You also have access to a monthly live Q&A with me and a monthly live book club. You also get access to writings and musings and free giveaways. It is such a great deal. Right now, it's only $5 a month to join the Planscription. If you want to join, go to planscription.substack.com or go to the show notes to follow the link. Join the Planscription today and join me in this plantastic community. Wow. Well, thank goodness for human ingenuity, for innovation, for problem solving, because it does take a lot. And I'm glad that there are more options coming because it is complicated and there's so many things to think about and we're all just so busy, you know, trying to just live life. But that brings me to the animal save movement. So if you could just briefly tell me about that, you mentioned it earlier, the petition so that people can hear more about that and how that they, they can help with it. Yeah, so what happened is when we found out that all these animal animals were killed by the supplement industry and, and we realized that the FDA is not requiring brands to disclose the use of animal-derived ingredients in supplements, we're, oh my God, we have to do something. So we got in touch with this nonprofit called Animal Safe Movement. Um, they are based in the U.S. and also like in, in Europe and, you know, many countries and it was a, a really great experience joining forces with them. And we launched this campaign uh, a few months ago that is called the Transparent Label Campaign. And if you have like show notes, uh, Yami, I can I can just share more links and everything with, with folks. Um, so basically the campaign's goal is to 
force, not force, but petition the FDA to include a section in supplement facts label disclosing the use of animal-derived ingredients. Right now, brands are using the vegan seal, but that's not mandatory. It's voluntary. You know, like some brands decide to put it, some others don't. In this case, it will be mandatory to disclose um, this information. Uh, we've raised or we, we've gathered almost 5,000 signatures so far, and we need 25,000 to just even like, you know, pass the petition to the FDA. Um, so we are working really hard to raise awareness about these and, and, and get more signatures, you know, to get to that goal, 25,000 signatures goal. So it would be amazing if people could check it out and, and maybe sign, you know, it's super quick, it's easy and, and it, you know, uh, it will make a huge difference. For yeah, no, definitely. I'm so glad y'all started that. I'll definitely be signing it and we will put it in the show notes and I will share it on my newsletter and on social media because I think it's very important. I think the more knowledge we have, the better. That way we can make informed decisions. And some people are still like, whatever, I don't care. But for the people that do care, that really helps because mm -hmm. it's like you're saying, like I had no clue that magnesium stearate which is in so many of these supplements is coming from animal bones and tendons and ligaments. I didn't, I did not know that. And how would you know? There's no way to know from just There's seeing no magnesium stearate. It doesn't yeah. say magnesium stearate comes from this, you know? Absolutely. So, so absolutely. absolutely, Maria, this has been great. Just a couple more questions. There's a open-ended one. What do you wish more people knew? The amount of animal suffering that comes with your supplements. Plain and simple. That gave me chills. Yeah. Time mm. to wake up to that, unfortunately, right? <laughs> it's nice okay. to be a little blind to things sometimes, know, but you know, oh it's time. God. It's time to it's wake up. <laughs> this is another thing I need to care about. I know. I know. It's hard. Well, it's, hard. it's I'm, I'm so glad you started this company. Like I said, I, um, I'm glad that you reached out and that we know about you. But can you tell our listeners where they can find Terra Seed. And also, I'm really interested to know what do you think the timeline is for the kids' gummies? Yeah, we're so excited about that project. And uh, I think it's going to be an awesome product. Uh, so we're hoping to launch the Multi for Kids in May this year. So, you know, like a couple sure. of months, we are finalizing like the gummy tests and uh, the packaging is already being built. So it should be, yeah, a matter of a, a few weeks, you know, like probably, probably eight weeks. Um, and then people can find us in terraseed.com. So that's our website. And also if you want to follow us on Instagram, it's uh, also terraseed. Um, so it's easy to find us. And our name, terra means earth, right? And seed is just like this little seed we are planting here to contribute and make our contribution to this planet and all the animals living in it, <laughs> including us. <laughs> Maria, thank you so much. Thank you for your persistence, your grit. The grit <laughs> from your ultra marathons is passing over into making supplements now. So I appreciate your history and, and what you've, yeah. you've, you know, experienced that is helping you in this journey. I appreciate you. I appreciate what you're doing. I'm grateful Thanks, for you. Matt. And really? I wish you the best of luck in this journey. And I hope that you have a very plantastic day. Thank you so much. It's been such a pleasure being here with you today and meeting you in person, Yami. Thank you so much for giving me 
this opportunity. Hey, veggie lover. I hope that you loved today's episode. Will you take a second and do me a huge favor? Please subscribe to my podcast so that you never miss an episode. You're the reason I'm here and I want to share it all with you. Thank you for listening and have a plantastic day.